So we're glad you're here. We're in this series called The Climb. Uh, we've been looking and going to continue to look at Abraham's life for the, for the, next, for the next six weeks. And we're going to look at Abraham's life, and, and Abraham was, was less than perfect. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we can glean out of Scripture and we can take out of Scripture of his life. And so, so Abraham was, was making this climb. He was making this climb of, of faith, if, if you will. And, and truthfully, all of us, we're, we're making a climb of faith, and we're, we're hopefully we're maturing, and hope, hopefully we're growing in, in our faith because, you you know, what, what they tell us and what, what psychologists tell us, we know the Scripture tells us this, but what, what counselors and psychologists confirm that Scripture says is this, is what, de, what, what uh, predicts despair in someone's life is not a lack of happiness. It's a lack of meaning. It's a lack of purpose. Fact is, when, when, when you begin having like a meaningful life is when, when you move past this point, what is God going to do for me? And you move to the point, what is God going to do through me? And what is my purpose? And what is my meaning? And, and how can he use me? And so this weekend, the title of this message is belay. And in case you haven't realized, we're, we're using climbing terms. The word belay simply means that it's a technique that is used by a, a belayer to hold a rope. Uh, to keep a, a, a to keep a uh, a climber from falling to like their death, they may fall, but they're not gonna they're not gonna fall their, to their death. And so, this issue of belay is something really important on a climb. And this issue of, of a belay or a belayer is really critical in, in in the climb of faith. And so, if if you if you're just joining us this weekend, we we left the story off when when God had called Abraham or Abram, same person, Abraham, Abraham, got it, got a Abram and Abraham. Got to change his name later, but currently it's Abram. Uh, I've been kind of using just Abraham because that's easier for me. And Sarah, his wife, he changes both of their names later. But Abraham, God came to Abraham and told him that he was going to be the father of many nations. He's going to have many descendants and, and told him he was going to take him to a land that, that he would show him. And so the, the, the difficult thing about that was is like Abraham didn't have any kids. He didn't have any children and they were, they were past childbearing years and, and they, they, they weren't able to have children. So at the age of 75, Abraham tells his family, they pick up, they leave and they go to a land that God would show them. And Sarah was like 65 at, at the time. And, and so then all of a sudden he, he starts his journey journey and then then and it's like in scriptures like it's like the next sentence and all of a sudden Abraham has like this major decision to make and does he continue to to trust God or does he like like take matters into his own hands because all of a sudden he has this he has this problem he has this crisis and you know let, let me just tell you this as a pastor and this is just personal uh, this is some of my observations, so I, I just want to put it out there as that. This is my observation. This is just personal. This is my view. That, that when I, when I, as being a pastor, this, this number of years that I've been a pastor, uh, a lot of times, the, a lot of times what, what hurts Christians is not some horrible, immoral type sin as much as is this issue when they face a crisis in their life, when they face a problem in their life, that all of a sudden they slowly start drifting away from God and end up in a land, end up in a time that they never intended to be. And so today we're going to look at this uh, text, Genesis chapter 12, verse, verse 10. So here's what the scripture says, and then we're just going to walk by, back through this, and we're, we're gonna, I'm going to give you three principles. So here's what the scripture says. Now there was a famine in the land. So now, now Abraham has a problem. 
So, so Abram went to, down to, to, to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was, was very beautiful. And when the prince of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. And he had sheep and auction, oxen and male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female don, uh, donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh as his house and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abraham went from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that they had and lot with them to the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and in gold, and, in, in, and he journeyed on t, uh, from the Nebgev to as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So I want to give you three reasons, three reasons why we, why, why we need to have a, a, a belay, um, and, and someone that is securing us and someone that keeps us from falling. So the first thing is this. The first reason is, is this. A person of faith will have problems. A person of faith will have problems. In other words, God never promised us that we wouldn't have issues. God never promises that we wouldn't have problems. God never promised us that we wouldn't have crises in life. fact is, nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you accept Christ and you become a Christian... Everything's going to work out exactly the way that you would like for it to do. For for it to for actually, Jesus talked about some uh, quite the opposite. He said, "In this world, you're you're going to have problems. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Uh, the the rain at one at one point he says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And a lot of times we don't understand that, but 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 the rain falls, the blessings fall on the just and the unjust. Uh, Jesus says, "Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough like trouble of its own." And so Abraham, it, it, it had to confuse him. He did exactly what God told him to do. I mean, he, God told him to, 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 to go to, to a land that I will show you. And, and all of a sudden, he arrives in, in Canaan, and, 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 and there's, like, there's, like, there's problems. There's like, there's like a famine. There's a drought. God, God said nothing about problems. God said nothing about a famine. Verse, verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. In other words, rain didn't fall, the crops didn't grow, the, the sheep grew thin, and, and people were hungry. I mean, Abraham faced some real problems. In other words, the economy was like, it was, it was coming unraveled. And, and the economy was crashing. The stock market was plunging. His 401K was like decreasing rapidly. Unemployment was high. And, and he, he got to the place where he may not have been able to provide for his family like he once was able to. If you know anything about famines in Scripture, famines are awful. Famine, listen, in the Old Testament, famines are symbolic of a time of stress and a time of loss and a, a time of, of dryness and a time of, 
of deep hurt, a time of betrayal, a time of maybe some health issues, some health challenges. It's like at a, at a crossroads, a decision that you have to make and which road are you going to take. One's going to lead you astray and the other one is a, is a different path. And you're faced with a decision, which, which road are you going to take? Which, ro- which decision will you make, a good decision or a godly decision? I hope you know there's a difference. Sometimes it's the good decisions in the Christian life that goof us up, telling you. There's a difference between a good decision and a godly decision. Charles Stanley said this. He says, when God gets silent, there's only one reasonable option. Hang in there and just trust him. So the scripture says that that Abram, faced with his famine, went down to Egypt to sojourn there. The word in the Hebrew, sojourn, simply means to turn aside. It means to take a, a different road temporarily. In other words, he convinced himself, we'll just go down to Egypt for a, for a little while. fact is, when you look at the definition of sojourn, it means a decision. It means that a choice that is made out of, out of fear. See, Abraham had, had fear had fear that this famine was, was bigger than him and greater than him, and God couldn't work through that. And, and when we last left Abraham, he was at Bethel and Shechem and Ai, right? He, had, he, he, was, he was like worshiping, and he was like seeking God's guidance. And now all of a sudden it says he's, he's going down to Egypt, He's taking matters into his own hands. Why, why, why do we do that? I believe a lot of times the reason that we do that, and sometimes we make those decisions because of that issue a little while. I'm just going to do it a little while. I just need some temporary relief. I mean, this isn't forever. I'm just going to do it for a little while. I'm going to quit worshiping for a little while. I'm going to quit going to church for a, li- a little while because I'm just busy and I got, I got this stress and we got this stuff going on. I'm going to, I'm going to quit reading Scripture for just a little while. I, I'm going to quit getting with other believers and encourage one another just for a little. I, I'm going to quit using my time and my talent and my tre- treasure because of what I'm walking through. And even though we may know it's a... It's a compromise. Even though we may know that it's wrong, we, it's easy to justify, right? By just saying, I'm just going to do this for a little while. This isn't like forever. This is just in this season. This is just in this time. I'm, I'm only going to depart from what God has called me to do just for a little while because you can go through the Scriptures. God never called him. God never told him to go to Egypt. See, that was what everybody else was doing. See, everybody else, when the, when the famine hit, everybody else was going down to Egypt because that's where the, that's where the Nile River was. That's where, that's where uh, I mean, the, the economy was like booming there, and the economy was doing great there. And so everybody else, the world, everybody else is going to Egypt because, says, you know, what? That's, that's where relief is. See, the world, if we're not careful, will always draw us away from the promises and the 
the protection of God. The, the world will always promise us a better life. They just can't deliver. The famine threatens. It threatens his life. But a trip to Egypt threatened his future. Today was, um, today was the, the funeral of Aldine Bazzagno. Uh, some of you have met her. Some of you know of her. Uh, Dr. B- John Bazzagno, uh, he was the pastor at the church where Karen and I both met Christ. Uh, we have known them. He has, he has mentored me. He has spoke into my life. Uh, they have been here twice. I've had, I've had, he's affectionately known as Brother John. I've had Brother John here twice. Uh, two and a half years ago, Aldine Bazzagno was diagnosed with a serious brain tumor. And the doctors had given her six months, and she, she, honest, she, she outlived, outlived their, 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 their predictions. And so she was, in, she was in hospice care when Hurricane Harvey hit. And the Bazzagno's house where they'd lived, they'd lived there for over 30 years, was right on Buffalo Bayou. And when they opened up the floodgates at, at, at Attic's Reservoir, their house was starting to flood. Hospice couldn't get in to take care of her. The, the grandkids started sending, me, sending us video. And so they, they moved Aldine from uh, their house to across the street where there was a two-story house so they could move her up to an upper level. And she's dazed within losing her life and, and, and all of those emotions and everything. Then the floodwaters got so high uh, that, they, that they went to, to Aldine and they asked Aldine, they said, uh, they said, Aldine, we have a choice. We can, we can keep you in this house or we're going to take you outside. We're going to load you up on a boat and we're going to evacuate out. And she says, you know what? I want, to go out. I want to go out the same way that I live my life. I want to go out on, on an adventure. Let's go on an adventure together. And so they, the sheriff's department, they pulled the boat up. The grandkids got Aldine in, in her bed, and they took her out. And as they're, as they're placing her in the boat, one, she was excited because Michael Buble was playing. And so she thought, that's just awesome. And then as they're evacuating her out, she's like witnessing uh, to the people that were taking her out. And want to know, do you, do you know Jesus? Because she says, you know what, this, this house that I'm leaving, this was, this was only temporary to begin with. I'm telling you. Christians will have problems. And Aldine, Aldine was anchored. She had a belayer, and she knew who he was. His name was Jesus Christ that gave her confidence to live her life in the way that, that she did. Karen and I weren't able to be there at her funeral this weekend just because of some of our obligations that we, there's just no way we could change. And uh, the second thing is this, the reason that we, we have a belay is because a person of faith will be tempted. Not only will a Christian, regardless of the life you live, regardless of how perfect of a life, regardless, is going to have problems. But also, 
a person of faith will be tempted. And I understand in, in Christian circles, there are, some, there are some denominations that believe that you can get to the place to where you're no longer tempted. There's a, there's a theological word for, for, for that. It's called hogwash. <laughs> Man, we, we could look at Scripture and some of the greats of Scripture, right? They faced temptation. And so... It, if you come out of one of those faith backgrounds and you believe that, you know what, I can just get to the place, if I had more faith, if I was closer to God, I would never be tempted. The Bible never speaks of that. And so, listen, regardless, regardless of your strength in God, regardless of your faith in God, that's why we need a belayer. That's why we need someone to belay us. That's why we need somebody around us to encourage us and to support us. But the regardless of your strength in God, Egypt will always look logical to you when you go through circumstances, when you go through hurt, when you go through pain, when you go through difficult circumstances. See, that's why problems and circumstances are so dangerous because all of a sudden some things seem logical to us that in better days that they would have never seemed logical to us. Fact is, you can hear some Christians talk and you hear some people talking about, you know what, when I went through some problems and when I went through some crisis, I did some things that I never thought I would do. And I, I just, I kidded myself and thought it would only be for a little while. And so, so you, you, could, you can go through, go through problems and all of a sudden Egypt looks good to you and, and lying can seem wise and impurity can seem advantageous to you or, or quit serving or quit going to church can seem helpful to you and, and quit worshiping Worshiping can seem like a better option to you. But, but I'm telling you, that's why it's so important when we go through problems to understand that not only will Christians face problems, but, but Christians will also be tempted. Listen, even Jesus, even Jesus struggled with temptation. Now, he, he was without sin. Temptation, just so we're clear this evening, temptation is not a sin. Corinthians said that that we would never face any temptation more than we could bear without a way out. So having a strong faith doesn't exempt me and it doesn't exempt you from temptation. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when... When they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, here's the crazy thing. So, so Abraham was in Canaan, and then they, 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 have this, they have this famine. And so Abraham makes the decision because everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's going to Egypt, so we'll go to Egypt. You know how far Egypt was? 275 miles away. And so that's like days. That's like, that's like weeks for them. And so all of a sudden, Abraham is, is leading his family to compromise. They're headed down to, to Egypt, 270 miles away. And for the very, for their very first time in his story that we've been journeying together on this climb, he is walking without the, the guidance of God because God never called him to Egypt. God never told him to go down to Egypt. There was no way that he could fulfill what God had called him to do in, in Egypt. And so they've been traveling for days and weeks, 275 miles. And all of a sudden, when they start to enter Egypt, he realizes that he has a problem. 
And you can never find in Scripture that he, that he like, prayed for, for guidance or protection. So watch this, verse 11. Uh, so when he was about ready to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're beautiful in appearance, so you know what? If you're going to spring something on your spouse, it's good to, you know, it's good to compliment them first, right? <laughs> and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So when, when Abraham's rolling into Egypt and he sees the welcome to Egypt sign, he springs it on his wife where there's really, at this point, nothing she could do. And he waited, he, he waited to the last moment. And really and truly only cared about himself. That's what sin does. He only cared about, would you do this so it goes well with me? Now, I'm going to put you in an awkward position. I'm going to put you in a compromising position. But I need you to do this so it goes well with me. See, sin only looks to you. It only looks to make things better for you. Really and truly, you don't care about anybody else. And all of a sudden, Abraham, the, what Scripture says, a friend of God, practices deception, and he's going to tell a He's going to tell a half-truth. Here Abraham is in Egypt, started with a compromise, and now it's leading to sin. And he realizes the only way out of this is I'm going to have to deceive Pharaoh. I'm, we're, going to have to, we're going to have to tell a lie. In verse 13, he says, Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. In other words, he, he has stooped so low to a lie that he was willing to sacrifice his, his wife's virtue. And see, this was, a, was like a half-truth because Sarah was his half-sister. A lie, a lie is a deliberate attempt to, to, to mislead another. In other words, there's two ways that an individual lie, it lies. It, to falsify information or to, to conceal the whole truth. And sometimes you can, you can mislead someone by concealing the truth and you, you just tell your side. And you, you, you just tell enough of the facts, but not all the facts. You just tell your side, you tell enough of the facts so they, whoever you're talking to believes you and thinks evil or horrible about the other individual. But you didn't tell the whole truth. And Abraham says, you know what, Let, let's just tell a half-truth here. But it's, it's a lie. But Abraham's deception worked temporarily, verse 16. And when the prince, princes of, of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake he dealt well with Abraham, and he had sheep and, auction and, and oxen and male donkeys and male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and, and camels. So, so everything's working pretty well for old Abe right now, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like going his way. And I mean, that's why, that's why Hebrews, Hebrews says this, that, that sin can seem pleasing for a season. Sin can seem pleasing for a short time. But we never know when it's like that season's going to end. 
we never know when we're going to like reap those consequences. And, and so now, that, now there's deception going on. And, and Abraham, but at the same time, Abraham becomes very important again. Remember when we left him last week, he was very influential and very wealthy uh, before he, he, he began leading to, to, to Canaan as, as God directed him. And now all of a sudden, he, he's, he's important again. He has influence again. And, but he's accepting all these gifts under false pretenses. And, and, and here's the deal. I went all the way through the scriptures, and I found Sarah to always be a faithful wife. I cannot find a time where she complained. I cannot find a time in scripture that she didn't follow her husband. I, 65 years old, and he says, we're going to pick up everything. We're going to move from family and friends and everybody, and we're going we're gonna to follow God. You know what? She obediently followed without any complaint. And now... Now she's waiting to become Pharaoh's husband, and fortunately for her, that, that God protected her because there was, there was a waiting time, and she was in that waiting time. So God is, God's protecting Sarah, but Abraham's enjoying all the benefits of this whole situation. Verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and, and go. We, don't, we do not know how Pharaoh found out. We just know he found out. And verse 20 is like a surprising verse to me because Abraham, Pharaoh could have put Abraham to death and, and he chose not to. God was protecting not only Abraham, but he protected Sarah as well. The third and the last thing is this. A person of faith will return to God. A person of faith will return, will return to, to God. In other words, Abraham is like given another chance, and, and, and he made the most of it. And he became the father of many nations. And, 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 and maybe, maybe tonight, maybe I'm talking to some people who, have, who, who are, are in Egypt or who are headed down to Egypt, or they convince themselves that, you know what, I'm going through a tough time, and I'm going through a problem, and we got this famine, whether it's a health issue, whether it's stress, whether it's relational, whatever. And they're like, you know what, I'm only going to do this for like a, a little while. Or maybe you became a Christian years ago and you had some problems and doubts came into your life and, and you headed down to Egypt and, and because of it, there's a lot of problems and hurt and loss and you wonder, is there, is there any hope? Is there any hope of, of return? Because see, Abraham's story is a positive story that Jesus Christ is like calling you home. Listen to what Abraham did to return to God. Genesis chapter 13 verse 1. So Abraham went from, from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he'd made an altar at first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. In other words, this, Abraham like repented. The, the, the word repent simply means to change directions. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. To where all of a sudden Abraham realized, you know what? Egypt is not going to work out so well for me. And, and repentance is he changed his mind, which changed direction, which changed his path. Verse 14 says he called on the name of the Lord. In other words, he started, he returned. 
And he started worshiping to God. Henry Blackaby says this during a time of doubt. Return to where God last spoke to you. See, this is what Abraham's doing. You find this all through Scripture. Where people would go back, just like Abraham, and go back to the place where God last spoke to them. And you know, he went back to the place where he worshiped God. In other words, you start going back to church. You, you start worshiping again. You start reading the scriptures again. You start having fellowship with Christians again. You start serving in ministry together. You, uh, again, you realize that it's not so much what God is going to do for me, but it's what God is going to like do through me. How I can like serve others or how I can bless others. But really and truly, it's better not to fall. And I'm always concerned with, like, this story. That I would leave you with the impression, because Abraham leaves with some stuff, that sin doesn't matter. Because sin leaves a scar. And it is true, every sin can be forgiven of its internal consequences, but sometimes we have to live, and a lot of times we have to live with the earthly consequences and the earthly blemishes consequences of Abraham's sin Pharaoh was not even a believer and he was shocked at Abraham's behavior Sarah was deeply hurt that her husband thought only of himself he dishonored the name of God I mean he may have left with wealth but he didn't leave with a with a witness Genesis 20 tells us that Abraham, like, does this again. He repeats this same sin. It, it... Once a sin is committed, it's easy to commit the second one. The second lie is always easier than the first. Second affair is always easier than the first. The second angry outburst, the second... Uh, gossip, the second time we slander, always easier than the first. You know what also happened? It affected his children. I mean, the Old Testament tells us that the sins of the father will be visited down to the third and the fourth generation. And that doesn't mean that if you sin that God's going to like zap your grandkids. But it does mean this, that as a father, as a dad, as a granddad, our family is influenced by our behavior and our, our decisions. I mean, our, our kids, our kids learn from us. And just real quickly, I, I started going through Isaac, Abraham's son, Genesis chapter 26. He was afraid he was going to lose his life. So you know what he did? He got his wife, Rebecca, and says, would you do this? Would you lie? And would you say that, it's, that, that, that you're my sister so that it would go well with me? Isaac's son, Jacob, lied about his identity, and he stole his birthright from Esau. Jacob's son lied to him about his whereabouts when, when jo and said Joseph was dead. And the, the sin of Abraham was forgiven by God, but, it, but, but you see it. You see it goes through the family tree. You see it was influenced into the, into the family. And there is something better than going down to Egypt and coming back. There's, there's something better than being the prodigal son and leaving home and coming back, and that's staying in the house to begin with. The ultimate belayer, Jude 24. Now to him who is able. 
keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And you may say, I'm already down in Egypt. And you need to deal with it. Just like Abraham did. And it takes repentance. Just a change of a mind that leads to change of direction. Maybe you're, maybe you're a Sarah or a Pharaoh. There's someone who has hurt you. Someone who has betrayed you or offended you. And you have let their disobedience, their hurt, to be an excuse to sin and to sin against them. Maybe you need to forgive them. Maybe you need to understand that Egypt is not a place that any of us are called to live and to do life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?